short story by Stephen King, Trimark Pictures invites you to buckle up. You are now entering a town called Lunar. Good morning. First time in this part of the cosmos. Looking for flying saucers? <laughs> I don't want to live in a place like this. Dad, it's too quiet here. Where something strange is going on. Electricity is out for most areas. It'll be at least 24 hours before we can get to you. Can't get nothing on the CB. Phones are out. What's that? Is there anyone driving? Trucks don't drive by themselves. A mysterious force has taken hold. These trucks appear to have an intelligence of talking to each other. They're up to something. And the traffic is way out of control. You are about to reach the end of the line. Trucks. A thriller without brakes. Starring Timothy Busfield. And welcome to the latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And I jumped right into this with no preamble. This week on the show, we are going to talk about our second in a row and second only remake of a thing we've already watched. Well, we talked or we watched Trucks this week. Right. And we're Last week we did The Shining. Shining. It was our first re. Right. Re, uh, revisiting up to a property. This is our second in and a we'll row. We'll be and doing second. Salem's Lot soon, right? We will. There, then, there are more to come. There will the, be more to in come. In the future, I think. I think, I don't think in for the rest of the year there are more duplicates than originals, but there probably are about as many. Okay. Yeah, we're getting to the point where it's been 20 years. Let's make I a new thing. a remake of Graveyard Shift. That might actually be a thing. Before we get into trucks from 1997, how was your week? Uh, my week was very busy, and I don't remember it at all. It just flew by. Zoom. Flew by. How was yours? It was good. Also busy. Did not get enough done. Still uh, feeling like I need to be doing. Haven't seen movies, either one of us. <laughs> yes, we've been going to we're, more we're movies. Behind. Both of us are uh, members of AMC Stubbs A-List, which means... That for the low, low price of $24 a month, we can see three movies a week. We had not been seeing three movies a week. My goal this week is to see three movies. But that's uh-huh. a lot of time at a movie theater when I'm not doing work and other things. Right. So, so it's always the stuff that you have to catch up on. There's occasionally people that you have to talk to. and Yeah. yeah. So last uh, Friday we went to a thing. Last mm-hmm. Saturday we went to a thing. Uh, we'll talk about those things later probably. Okay. Yes, we will. In the meantime, are you ready to talk about this movie? I am. Uh, We're going to be done within 20 minutes. I, it's, it's um, <laughs> yes. All right. So we watched Trucks. This was a USA Pictures film, I guess. So mm-hmm. it was made and aired on USA Network, the USA okay. Network. And it was also aired, I guess you said in Australia? Canadian American film. Yes. So there was Canadian money behind it. Yeah. It was released theatrically to other parts of the world. And apparently the part that the version that we watched is a Australian theatrical release. Okay. Which explains the profanity in the film. Gotcha. And possibly some of the more explicit gore that happens in the movie. It There's is very gratuitous gore shots in this movie. Gory. So the original version of this move of this was um, told in the Stephen King directed and Stephen King written Maximum, Maximum Overdrive, right. which appeared to be powered by the 
the power of cocaine and yes. hope. <laughs> that is what made that movie. More so than even gasoline. And this movie has a very different aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Chris Thompson. Uh-huh. Uh, do you know this man? N- no, this I don't. man. He is a person who has directed many TV things. Okay. So I'm scrolling for a thing I've heard of. That sounds rude. This man has been working steadily, so I, I'm not trying In to... Canadian television? Is that pro It's possible, right, because right. I don't know what... Well, also, 1984's Waterfront miniseries. I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. The Last Bastion miniseries. I don't know what that is. Deadly Nightmares miniseries. I don't know what that is. He directed one called... Maybe called The Hitchhiker, which might be a thing that I've Isn't been trying HBO to. HBO TV shows? Literally. Or episode, or, excuse me. HBO television know. show that was on for a while. It might be. I don't know. Deadly Nightmares, The Hitchhiker, fictional stories told in a television series by a hitchhiker. Yeah. Oh, God, this might be the thing. Okay, so we're going to take a little de- weird detour to my childhood. All right. Wherein I was visiting. Uh, family friends, the Breedalls. Hey, hey, Chris. <laughs> Chris Breedall listens to this. That would be wild because I haven't seen him since I was like eight. Uh, maybe even younger than that. One weekend we were there. I want to say I was about six. So we're talking about mm-hmm. 86. All right. And in this weekend, I remember being awake later than I should have been awake. It, he and his brother, Jason, my sister, Bree, and I were all there. And everybody was asleep but me. And so I like sort of, I remember being in the living room. I don't know if I snuck out or if I was allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. Linda and Dave, those were the Breedall parents, uh, were friends of my father and mother's. And they were, I remember during this visit, I ended up watching The Gremlins, which I should not have watched. I was mm-hmm. too young. And another thing that was... I've still never been able to figure out what it was, but it involved a hitchhiker, an explosion at some sort of hotel or something, and then a time loop where it kept happening. And I don't know what it is. Y'all, if you know what it is, help me out. And now I'm going to have to watch every episode of this. Oh, I hope not. So (laughs) The Hitchhiker was a Canadian television program that was released here. Okay. Um, It was released on cable television originally on HBO. So it had the opportunity to be more explicit, mm-hmm. um, and have and I could watch like two minutes of each one and go not it not right. it not it not it. So maybe <laughs> maybe that's in this case. I remember it being run on syndication uh, on like UHF syndication for anybody who still understands what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was younger, and it was most uh, it was heavily edited at that point. Gotcha. So it was very suggestive. I'm sure the, the HBO version is much more explicit. The, the taglines in IMDb are mm-hmm. a wild mishmash of, um, or not the taglines, the, the plot keywords. Mm-hmm. Hitchhiker, topless female nudity, closing narration, opening narration, morality play. Right. <laughs> it's like I went on a whole roller coaster. Um, so I don't, maybe it was an episode of that show mm-hmm. rather than a movie because I'm pretty sure it wasn't a film because okay. i've tr- i've looked at every movie that had a hitchhiker in it from the 60s or from the 70s or early 80s and it's none of those so maybe it's this show oh uh, anyways the director of the film trucks 
did three episodes of The Hitchhiker. Well, and that felt very much in the vein of what I was watching um, here with trucks. It it felt very much like a made-for-TV movie. Uh, although the version that we had was a lot gorier and had occasional profanity, but done in such a way that it could very easily be edited out edited of the, out. Yeah. the program. Uh, the sound in this whole film felt heavily Hadyard. It felt mm-hmm. like the whole of the movie was filmed um, on location, which I believe it was in Canada. Uh-huh. And um, because they were outside, they were at the mercy of the wind and uh, crickets and dr- cars, go- tr- trucks, obviously, uh, engine noise and whatnot. So it sounded like everybody was weirdly quiet and like they weren't there. Right, <laughs> which is the case. I think Brenda Baca is, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, who. Baki, but I don't. Who was. Um, yeah who was an actress who I remember a lot in action movies and TV shows when I was younger. And lovely. She was an American Gothic. Uh, and Under Siege 2 with Steven Seagal, so I saw a lot of her. And uh, always was impressed by her. She's a lovely woman. The, but she seems to be whispering. Yes. Or she sounds very, sleepy. Right. She sounds very kind of dislocated, as if she's doing this sort of breathy, seductive whisper no matter what line she's saying. You can say seductive whisper. I'm going to tell you as a person who is mm. in no way attracted to her, she just sounds tired. No, no, I'm not saying she's that not, because I'm attracted to her. I'm saying that she does sound like she's trying to do this sort of breathy... She doesn't seem... It doesn't feel to me like she's putting on any kind of affect of a come uh-huh. hither. She just seems tired and over it. Like, over everything. Well, it might well be. <laughs> it just seems like she... Yeah. She's dis- like... Um, there was another film I'm remembering, A Kiss Before Dying with Sean Young, where also it felt as if she was dubbed in and completely indifferent to everything that yeah. she was saying and giving a really It was like, yeah, it was like she, the words that she was saying, she didn't have, she, maybe they 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 recorded mm-hmm. it first and then did the acting, so but she didn't know like, yeah. how to, ha- what all was going to be happening so what, what can in we the give scenes? people in the, the way of a synopsis? Because okay, it's so, hard to do. Yeah, so... <laughs> Half of me is like, go back to that uh, Maximum Overdrive episode. I didn't take good notes, and I'm sorry, everyone. So this is going to be a a quick thing. So we um, we are located in a small town in mm. Nevada. Right. We're in Lunar, Nevada, where the whole of the town that we see is basically a gas station, a diner, and a series of cabins. The gas station owned by Timothy Busfield's character, mm-hmm. his name is Ray. The cabins owned by Brenda Backey's character, her name is Hope. And the diner is owned by George, who is Ray's dad's buddy, mm-hmm. who at one point Ray calls dad. And I think that that was an error in, I think that was like a mistake like a typo but (laughs) like in the movie so that's the town so we we're introduced there's a and it's a truck stop sort of town it's a small town um brenda backy has started a business wherein she is going to be leading tourists on hikes because there have been alien sightings in the area or there had been in the past. Mm-hmm. And so she's sort of leaning into that narrative and then putting people up in her cabin and then or her cabins and then leading them on tours. So we have the population of this town, which is almost like a little family, like mm-hmm. 
Brent, uh, Hope asks Ray on her way to pick up two of her guests to check in two other guests that are coming. And then Ray asks George. No, no, no. And then both Ray and Hope go to George's diner and are given what I presume to be free food whenever mm-hmm. they want or whatever. Like, then they sort of check on each other's businesses. And now Ray is there with his son. His wife, we find out later, was murdered in a random gang drive-by in Detroit uh, two years earlier. I believe it's two years earlier. Hope has recently returned to Lunar. Uh, She had moved away to the big city to live with some sort of husband who was terrible, and now there is restraining orders, and there was abuse, and now she has come back. Um... George is there at the behest of Ray to help him run, apparently, the entire town. Uh, George is there. He's he's come home to die, I guess, because he, he doesn't have a lot of family, and he has cancer, and he is going to be um, declining. So he has come with Ray sort of as a way to help him, but also as a way to have a support system. So that's... The, that's the town. That's the entirety of the town. And then everyone else that we see are truckers who've come through to use the the dining slash gas facilities or the hikers. The tourists, I mean. The tourists. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're hikers because they're, they've signed right. up for this hike. Uh, so that's, that's, our, that's our cast. Starting right at the beginning... There's a sort of, we see, oh, the first thing we see is none of these people. It's the death of a man who runs what looks like a a junkyard. junkyard? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, His truck comes to life and then mushes his whole building. It runs through his house while he's in the shower, I think is how it goes. I don't even know if it's a house. It says office on the uh-huh. door outside, but there's a shower running, and he is in the shower. So maybe it's a live-work mm. situation. And, uh, yeah, it runs through there and does does kill him. We find him later. So that's that's our introduction. And then we go to the town, and Ray is pumping gas, and his son is helping, uh, and... Hope says, hey, I've got people coming. Can you put them in cabin one when they get here? I'm going to go pick these guys up from the bus station, wherever there's a town big enough for a bus to right. come to, because Lunar is not it. It doesn't look like there's a bus station as much as it's just a stop in oh, maybe. what looks like the desert. I'm surprised it was filmed in Manitoba. I don't know what it's like out there, but it looks very much like being in Nevada. Yes, it did. I felt yeah, like Nevada. It was but convincing. Yeah, filmed in Manitoba. So... um. On her way, mm-hmm. she sees some weird truck behavior. Uh, then we get a cutaway of, oh, right before she goes to pick up her patrons, she makes a stop for supplies or something. And this, uh, was he sexist and racist or just sexist? He was both. He was sexist mm-hmm. and racist. Uh, dude hit on her. Uh, and um, demean the uh, boy who is helping them get supplies, uh, basically saying, you know, come back where you go back to where you came from or something right. similar. And he's like, I was born here and so were my parents. 
uh, and she turns down his advances after that slick introduction. Yes. And then I'm like, hey, they've given us a guy we we hate, so he'll definitely die, right? And then he dies immediately. His truck tricks him. Like, it, it stops working very well, and he gets out, and then it tricks him to get into its refrigerated section, and then it traps him back there, and then it's in charge. And we never see him, I think, We never see or hear. We hear muffled yelling from him at mm-hmm. one point, but never where there's people around. And then that car, and or that truck, ends up being, like, the head truck in charge. Yeah. And it this is the equivalent to the Toy Star truck in the first film that had the Green Goblin. Yes, the Green, yeah, the green Goblin Although on that was face. more distinctive for having a face. This yeah, is this just... one was just the big silver one, right. I guess. <laughs> um, and it does, spoiler, uh, explode at the end. And we do not see his body or anything that happened yeah. to him. So we presume that he it's... either died in the refrigeration or... There are characters in this film that just disappear. Just disappear. Just poof. They're not important. I mean, we're given a lot of backstory. Yeah. One of the things that this film does better than the first version of the story is that every available moment where someone sits down for more than a few seconds... There's character work being done. There's something being done. So that actually works in its favor. It does. The problem is it also makes it look like, oh, we've come to a slow spot. Here's going to be some exposition, and we're going to find out as if people just walk up to each other and go, this is my life story and my tragedy. Like, at one point, somebody, I, I think, is it George talking? It, that's how, it, like, when I gave the information mm-hmm. at the beginning. We don't just get a, a screen crawl that tells us all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are all individual exposition yes. dumps. Yes, and so for that, I'm grateful, but... We find out about Ray's trauma uh-huh. from George. We found about Hope's trauma from Hope herself. Right. And we find out about George's trauma from Ray. So... <laughs> so it's, it's a, doing a round robin. Yes, I think um, the all I think with the effect of Hope and Ray should get together like that. Right. It seems to be the which to the film's credit, it doesn't do really. No, I mean it probably does, but I bet they have a speed relationship. Well, relationships formed under pressure don't. The way that relationship work. ends, I guess. Oh yeah, no, I forgot the way that it ended. That's right. Yeah. So it won't um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to work out very well for either, for yeah for either of them. But uh, we should point out that the tourists that are coming to the town for the alien yeah. exhibit, there's a young married couple. There's a young married or, couple. I'm not sure they're married. They're um, married. They have, uh, because they talk about how long they've been married and, and what they the, promised each young. other. Yes, Provence. Um, um, and yeah, I guess they put a pin in a map and that's how they decided where to go. It was weird because there's this couple, which is two, mm-hmm. uh, a pair, and one of, like, the woman clearly is like, I don't fucking want to be doing this. Right. She is a good sport about it. Right. But she is also a bit of a brat, like, She's uh, this complaining is dumb about and it. I don't want to do and this. this. And then the uh, there's another couple that's uh-huh. a father and daughter. Right. And, sh- and the daughter is like, this is fucking stupid and I don't want to be here. She's also like a 15-year-old, so of course right. she doesn't. And she's mad at her dad because he is off at work all the, t- all the time and basically has left her behind well, and now he has dragged her on this thing. Right, but that's a choice he made. Um, um, well, if he had to come home to her, I can understand why I'd want to be 15 <laughs> months away. And then we have... The hippie. The hippie. Who had a banana's ponytail? Right, <laughs> just the thinnest, grayest ponytail down his back. <laughs> the the married couple 
they do a lot of bickering, so it reminds me of other... I don't know if these are things are specifically in the story or whether at this point we, or the uh, directors and filmmakers, keep referencing characters that are like Stephen King characters in other stories. Maybe. Because the married couple is very much, in a way, like the married couple in, although not quite as extreme, in Children of the Corn. They're just a bickering married couple yeah, in Yeah, no, but not as extreme, because I think right. that these two still like each well, other. Well, yeah, and because I think... they have a prolonged love scene... Yeah. What uh, a prolonged weird love scene that just goes on during which neither of them undresses, so it's still safe for television, I guess. Well, they they're undressing, but not. It's it's funny how we can keep the violence and the swearing. Well, for that's the, America, but where we can't see a nipple, but we can definitely see brains. The what is distinctive about this love scene is that there seems to be one line of dialogue that they keep repeating Provence? to each other. Provence, lunar, Provence. It, Lunar. <laughs> just keeps going on. Yeah. And after a while, I remember turning to you thinking, is It's not sexy, if that's right. No, but is this going to end? No, I mean, but I liked, kinda... I liked seeing that because uh, it was like, oh, these are people that I'm supposed to care about. Like, something bad is going to happen to these people, and well, I'm going to care about it when it happens. All... Which, for all right. of the time in Maximum Overdrive, I could not have cared less about a single character in that movie. There is uh, and for all the character development that happens in this film for the main characters uh-huh. we still have people who we only know as Trucker jo- Bob and Trucker, Trucker Pete. Pete. Yep, Bob and Pete. And then there's random people who are just inserted into the film for no the particular reason. The mailman who dies because of a tiny truck. There's the mailman. The best there's... scene in the movie. I'm right. no. We're going to talk about the mailman now. Okay. The mailman is delivering mail, and the mailman is accosted by a tiny truck. It's not that tiny. It's probably like a foot big, yeah. uh, like maybe a foot square. It's made out of actual metal. Um, I've never had a Tonka truck or seen a Tonka truck, like a real Tonka truck. Mm-hmm. I thought they they were small, like matchboxes. Oh, no, no, no. But you're saying that they're they like... They're big. They're yeah. big. But they weren't necessarily radio controlled. No. This one is both, apparently, because otherwise, how does it... How is it getting... There's no explanation ever <laughs> for what no. is happening. Um, and it's only... Tr- that's the other thing. It's not motorcycles. Mm-hmm. It's not cars. It's only trucks. Trucks of various sizes. Trucks of various sizes. Although we find at the end of the film there is a helicopter. And also a helicopter at the end. So Mm -hmm. maybe the motorcycle too. We don't know. We don't know. Um, And this man is accosted by a truck that moves little little ramps up to the glass door that it's inside of a toy store. Mm -hmm. And then it zooms its way and breaks through the glass. And then it rams into the postman, and then it rams into his other side, and then it knocks him down, and then it rams into his head, 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 and that's where the scene could have been over, but then it rams into his head, well, and then it rams into his head again. We're treated to no less than two, maybe three shots of it running to his head, and his carotid is spurting. There were five, five, yeah. And then there was what appeared to be gummy... Yes, and then we're treated to to a point of view that might be his face or his cracked orbital socket. I don't know. And the truck is running at it covered in muck. Just might be gore, it might be strawberry jam. It was was probably strawberry jam. That's what it looked like. On. Yeah, it it went on for a long time. And I'll have to say that. And we never see that baby truck again. And we never see the, the postman again. No. It felt very much like. 
we're now going for time, for length, because there really wasn't much to the movie. It's very insubstantial. Well, there's that, and then the only other sort of outside we get mm-hmm. is the magic static, where anytime a news report wants to come through, the black and white static on the on the TV resolves itself, right. and then we get maybe an interview with the police chief that says, we don't know what's happening. There's been um, a chemical spill. People are going out to fix it. Stay in your homes and just hang on. And then it fades to static again. And it's like, that's well, not is, how static works. This is very much uh, lifting from Night of the Living Dead. Is it? With the people trapped in the farmhouse and they get the TV to work. Only that time it actually looks like a working TV. That's something George Romero did. Um, and they're getting snippets of news interview or interviews with uh, newscasters talking to people in the field who are are being devoured by, and that's part of the joke as yeah. well. There's nothing done with that device here. Yeah, it's just a way to keep bringing the outside world in and keep the budget down. Yeah, because the truck, uh, the trucks at one point destroy like a military installation, and they put a cloud of poisonous gas. They into don't the air. destroy a military installation. One of the trucks commits suicide. It's well, in no. the truck. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a truck that overturns that has... No, but the trucks, I mean they, is in the trucks destroy the military installation. Oh, okay. Or destroy the... the like a chemical tank, I think? It's the, the, it's the tanker itself. The right. truck self... Like, it, like I said, it commits... Mm. It's the, the truck is the thing holding this chemical, and the truck... Right, it runs through a gate or something, mm-hmm. electrified gate, I think. And then runs into what looks like a big, like a big pole and or something. And I should tell you how insubstantial the movie is. I saw it two days ago, and I'm having a hard time remembering yeah. anything that happens in it. Because it, really, a lot of it is nothing happening. Right, so, so Hope has gone to pick everybody up. She gets mm-hmm. everybody off the bus. They're driving back. They get, they, they stop at the house that we'd seen in the very mm-hmm. beginning because there's a truck in the road. They get right. out, they try and move the truck, and then they find the body of this the guy who got worker. The yeah, the or this, this junkyard dude mm. who they knew. Like, oh, right. knew, knows. Because they, they're like, oh, that's so-and-so's truck. I don't see him around. And then she stumbles upon his body. Mm-hmm. And then she pulls out the biggest cell phone that ever was and dials Ray and says, we need you to come get us because... Meanwhile, the truck that had just been in the road has come to life and destroyed her vehicle. Well, it cuts it in half or something, yes. is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, like, T-bones it so hard that it comes, <laughs> it comes apart, which I don't, I don't know. But I'm not okay. sure that I'm not a that mechanic. Way. I don't know how it works. I'm not a mechanic. Or anything, but I don't <laughs> and then, so Ray makes, a, makes his way back out mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and picks them up. And then on the way back, they are rear-ended and accosted by the refrigerator truck, which is our lead truck in charge. I want to call it... I want to call it Optimus Prime. That's the one. The big one. The big silver one. And then they get... They finally make it back. And... um, In the ruckus, I get confused. And they kind of get split up. So we've got... The married couple who's arrived and checked into cabin one. Mm-hmm. We've got Ray's son separated from Ray. I think Ray ends up in the diner. The two truckers that we have, Pete and Bob, are in the diner. And they keep trying to like, well, just got to go get a gun and shoot its tires out. Right. That's not going to fucking work. George is in the diner. 
They don't do this. They 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 hint at the scene. Okay, so in Maximum Overdrive, there's a point where the electric uh, knife mm-hmm. cuts the shit out of one of the people in the diner. They allude to that, but they don't do it. Right. They have him cutting through a a roast with an electric knife, and I'm like, oh fucking here we go, because that was just I think after the tiny truck had just caused all this gore, and I was like, well this is gonna be even more gore. Nope, they didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't do it. Why? Because an electric knife is not a truck. <laughs> this movie concerns itself with trucks, trucks of all sizes, right. but only trucks. Uh, and then we have like I think four trucks at this point just. Circling, there's right. a big orange one that looks like um like a like a an electric company truck, and I can't remember the other ones, but there, I think there are four. Of then them. it begins to look like maximum overdrive. Yeah, and it has the same sort of plot points. Yeah. where every time they step out, mm-hmm. they're kind of chased back in. And there's a drainage tunnel or something that they're trying to get to. Yeah, they're like the send the here. kids over because right. the the two kids end up separated, and they they're like go hide in the pump in the drainage pump, and then we can right. get you. You can come back around the back of the cabin. And that and seems come actually to the one thing. of the few really menacing scenes. That right is right. So the kids, um, so Abby is the daughter of one of, you know, she's come with one of the hiking groups and she Mm -hmm. and her dad are, you know, estranged. Uh, She looks exactly to me like Mae Whitman only 20 years ago. It's very weird. Um, Look it up. Um, Maybe I'll put a comparison on the the website. Uh, And I've forgotten Ray's son's name. Is that Logan? Yeah. So she and Logan are, of course, hitting it off because they're about the same age and there's trauma happening. So there's a boy and a girl and there's trauma happening. So, you know, they're probably going to kiss at some point. And they um, end up running to this drainage ditch that is open on both sides or like drainage tunnel Mm -hmm. that is open on both sides. And one of the trucks comes up and starts filling in one side while the other one backs up to it and then starts releasing exhaust into the opening. Yeah, that was the only moment where I felt genuinely creeped out. Oh, these are smart. Like, they understand that humans need air to breathe. Why do they know that? Like, what is happening right now? Why are the trucks doing this in the first place? We don't know. And there's very clever scenes of, like, the mirrors turning by themselves. The the mirrors are their eyes, and they kind of watch what's happening, which I actually is a feature that I liked. Um, But there's no explanation for why any of this, especially the toy truck... Is it the toxic spill? Uh Is it the... um, There were some, like... There was alien sightings. There's alien sightings. There's a lot of Area 51 talk, even though we're in Nevada and not New Mexico. Wait, isn't Area 51 in Nevada? New Mexico. No, I can't trust my brain. New Mexico. Okay. Um, What's in Nevada? Just the test sites, right? Uh, Legalized gambling. I'm right. It's within the Nevada test and training range. Area 51 is in Nevada. (laughs) So I'm going to learn something new every day. In Hiko, Nevada, or Hiko. Hiko? Sorry, everyone, I don't know how it's pronounced. It's H-I-K-O. Uh, they talk about SETI, the search for... The, what, what is Extraterrestrial it? life. Extraterrestrial intelligence. Intelligence, right. yeah. Uh, which I used to work... There was a thing when I was in college where you could download a, a little app and mm-hmm. then your computer would be part of the the thing that was 
like they had to run through a bunch of data, I guess. Yeah. And rather than having it on one big computer, they did it on, I think it was the beginning of torrenting. <laughs> but I, I had it on my computer in 1998. So uh, then, but the trucks stop this. Uh, they don't end up killing these kids because we Timothy Busfield figures out that it's because he's the one that has to feed them and he has to they have to keep him happy and that's his son so don't kill his son. I don't know how the trucks are supposed to be aware of all. I this. don't know why he would jump to that particular conclusion. I, there's a lot of unexplained. <laughs> yeah, there's a here. lot of leaps in a, logic that are just like, well, this is the world I find myself in, so this must be what's happening. There's a lot of conflicts with the guys in the diner. Two or three fights break out. Yeah, they want they want to. Um, the truckers, uh, Bob leave. and Pete. One of them gets in his truck. Mm -hmm. Doesn't go well for him. No. The other one tries to make a bunch of Molotov cocktails. Also doesn't go well for him. He's making them out of beer, y'all. That's the, the worst thing to make a Molotov cocktail out of. But I'm pretty sure he ends up dying by burning. So, well, there's you know, I also, guess it works okay. There's, um, there's this weirdly staged fight scene that happens that involves almost every character in the diner at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's done in the most pedestrian possible way from a stationary camera. Yeah. People walk into the scene, hit somebody, then that yeah. person hits somebody else, and that person gets hit in the back of the head with a bottle. Yeah. And as you're watching it, it really looks really silly. It's yeah. like you're watching a chorus line of people throwing punches or something. Yeah. There's a lot of just badly staged stuff in this movie to the point where it's comical. Yeah, but it's not... It's not bad, though. It just feels like a low level of work. It was like, we've got a week. Let's do what we can do. Like, that's what it felt like. Because I feel like everybody's doing the best that they can. Yeah, I don't think anybody. I have to give a lot of credit to. Maybe tr the truckers. They're, right. they're doing a lot. They are doing their Canadian impersonation of an American trucker. Maybe. But it just seemed like there was so little energy at times. Around it, and that's only um, that's only that also might be the ADR the, issues right, by yeah. uh, Brenda Baker's sort of I'm not here, I'm somewhere else, I'm sitting in a booth and murmuring these words into a microphone. That's kind of what it feels like, and there were little weird um, interactions between the actors too. Uh, something that both of us notice is the the father and daughter team. The father is fond of just hefting his daughter up like a suitcase and carrying her around, or kind of manhandling her a lot. Yes, she gets just picked and pushing up her and her moved a lot. Where it, I'm just like, could we not touch this young lady? And please? there are scenes where it's just exposition. He just has his arm around her, like he's ready at any second to pick her up and walk off with her somewhere. So one of those truckers is a dude that I actually, his name's Aiden Devine, mm -hmm. and I have actually seen him in a lot of other stuff that I didn't recognize him from oh, really? this. Um, yeah, he was in the Bold Type TV show in mm -hmm. a couple of episodes. He was in an episode of Hannibal. Really? That's surprising. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's, he's English, actually. Mm -hmm. He's an English actor. Dolan's Cadillac, so we'll see him again. Okay. Because um, that is a Stephen King thing as well but yeah so he's actually like really good and has been in a lot of stuff the picture he was in suicide squad as well okay but in this 
he's like just doing the most and the worst. It's not it's not a good situation. They end up planning that Thad, uh, Abby's father, will ride. He can fly uh, mm-hmm. choppers. He was in the military before he was in whatever job he does now, which is working for the oil industry, yeah. because of course it is. This movie is about trucks and only trucks. Um, and he's going to ride the motorcycle that uh, Ray's son has been fixing up. There's actually a really nice little bit of character work between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, his He's working on the motorcycle and, and uh, Timothy Busfield is like, you know, you're never riding a motorcycle. You know, I'm never going to, like, it's too dangerous, this, that, and the other. And then later, he he's like, um, is it ready to go? And he just looks at his kid and he's like, I know that you stayed out a little right. extra long. I heard, you know, and I know that there's, it's full of gas. So, or like, let me know if it's, it, that's what he wants to know. Is it, is it gassed up? Cause I know that you've written, I know it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm telling you, I disapprove, but I also am giving you the freedom to, right. you know, to spread your wings a little bit. Um, so I like that actually. Uh, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's gassed up and it's ready to go. So he's going to take the, the bike to the Air Force Base, get a chopper, fly back and pick them up at a quarry. Um, that And they're going to hike to the quarry because, you know, Hope has all these maps because she's going to be leading these hikes. That's very convenient. Uh, as Thad's getting ready to go, Abby, like, puts her foot down and is like, I'm coming, you're not leaving me behind, not mm-hmm. again. And she goes with him, which I think was also a good kind of right. that was some moment for her. Right. Uh, and then the other ones all managed to get out uh, away from the trucks by blowing, like I said, blowing that uh, the main truck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also, I think the gas station. <laughs> I think that he he twitches his own business to to get away. And they they make it through and they hike and they hear the traveler coming. And they come through the woods, and then the shell of the fried. Uh, refrigerator truck shows up and revs at them. The chopper comes down. They manage to get aboard. Timothy Busfield like pulls himself in as they're pulling away and the truck misses them gently or j- just just barely. Mm-hmm. And we see Abby and she looks bad. She doesn't look good. She looks very freaked out. <laughs> and right now, and all we have, that's the other thing. George has stayed behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I narrated it when it happened. They thought he was going to come out, and I was like, no, 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 he's come to this town to die. He's going out in a place of glory, and that is what he does. George sacrifices himself so that the young'uns can get out. The young'uns without cancer can get out. And uh, so we've we've got uh, Logan and Ray and Hope, and is that it? The husband had been killed. Husband, the husband of the mm. of the pair had been killed. Had the wife been killed, or the was wife she had with been them? Killed too. And for the life of me, I can't remember. I her. can't remember what happened to her. Yeah, I remember that he gets. I know killed. he he dies, and she gets she loses it, and right. she's also manhandled, just picked up and moved around right. in a way that is like, uh, that's a person. But could you not do that, please? Um, but I don't remember what happened to her. I remember that he gets pinned by a truck repeatedly, sort of hammered into the doors yes, of a it, garage. Yes, it finally breaks through into one of the buildings mm-hmm. and takes him out. And I think maybe she attacks one of them and then gets right. comeuppance from that. Uh, so she's gone. So we're down to three? Yeah. 
and Abby and Thad are supposed to come pick them up. Uh, so Abby's there and she's very freaked out. Her hands are over her ears and she's like hysterical, like sobbing or like yeah. hysterical. I like the way you said that. And Tim Buzz- Buzzfield looks up into the cockpit and Thad is not there. There's nobody flying the chopper. And the voice over the radio keeps repeating, just hang on, which is what the cops kept saying into the, into the weird static that was coming through on the emergency broadcast. And then it's just the chopper flying away into the sun, just saying, just hang on. And there's four people in there and I don't know what's going to happen to them. Probably death. Well, that's the implication <laughs> is the, the fact that, oops, we, we made a mistake. We still don't know why. Right. We don't know if it was chemicals. We don't know if it was aliens. We don't know if it was electrical interference. We don't know if it's just an AI revolution. We don't, we don't know what it is. So what did, you, what did you think of this in contrast with the others? Since we did the same thing. We've done the same thing last week with The yeah. Shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In contrast, this is a better movie. Uh-huh. I wish that they had... I think the short story does not tell you really what happened or mm-hmm. why it happened. There's right? no motivation. Um, in the, I believe, actually, maybe I'm lying. Maybe because I think in the first one, it wasn't it like a, an eclipse or something mm-hmm. or or a, a comet or something. Right. There was something that was temporary that was going through our atmosphere or in, right. in our neck of the planetary woods that was disrupting this thing. And then it, it passed and it was done. Right. This movie, I don't know if it's because they don't want to really go back to Maximum Overdrive or they didn't want to pick a single reason. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have a why, that left me a little bit cold. Well, and there's... because I was just like, so just trucks? Just trucks of all sizes? No, not all electronics. Mm-hmm. But their electricity went out. Right. But the other machines weren't acting Well, the machines, up. I thought the trucks took out the, the generator for the... The diner. Right. And they take out the... So do you think that they, the machines weren't acting up just because they didn't have juice? I, I, we don't this know. Is, <laughs> that's what's so baffling about this movie. There's some sort of uh, story that's told in the very beginning of the film uh, that Brenda Bacher tells the people in her tour group mm-hmm. that there was people who years ago who sighted aliens here and they saw them coming in and out of flying saucers and... And that's all that we're given as an explanation. There is um, Mr. Jaeger, which is an appropriate name for an Air Force guy, mm-hmm. who is uh, has a conversation with Timothy Busfield at one point uh, about secret projects being carried out that he keeps all through the film. He's denying them, and then he admits. And well, then he's like, "Oh, there was some well, stuff." No, there was. I, there was. Some that's stuff. right. There, yeah, all through the film, it's mm-hmm. I. I flew out of Area Fifty One. There was nothing there. Like it, and then people were like, the government doesn't want us to know everything, and this, that, and the other. And then he was like, okay, there was some weird shit, but I'm not supposed to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's in this, yeah, weird denial. And I'm like, as soon as a truck that doesn't have a fucking driver is trying right. to kill me, maybe I just spill my guts on any weird shit that I'm aware of. <laughs> like, maybe that's what I'm like, well. This is, he's giving confession. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, up until the end of the film, had it had a happy ending like the first version of the movie. And, it yeah. would have been intolerable because then no. it was the the downbeat ending actually kind of helps it be memorable in some way. I will say this. Okay, so this is the let me read you the synopsis from right. the IMDB page. Because 
all of the I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this is allegedly mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Aliens arrive, parking in a geostationary orbit over Nevada. Using powers unknown to us, they declare war and use unmanned trucks as weapons. That's, that's an more explanation. Than I got but that's not film. necessarily uh-huh. the explanation. Uh yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't get that. I liked, I appreciated the fact that this film has more developed characters. Yes. We the characters were way better in this two movie. Two drifters who blow into town and hook up after an hour. Yeah, and, that's so weird. You know, th- there was a really strange kind of sexual component to that first film. I'm glad that there was some closeness between the Ray and Hope characters, uh-huh. but there was never kissing. No kissing. There was no romance between the two teenagers where you thought that. I, I really did believe, okay, this is I was where like, this is here's going. where they're like, well, we might die tomorrow, so we might as well bone down today because defi- we're definitely both virgins, right? Right. Well, and they virgin. didn't go that way, so they there were some directions, uh, some um, directions. It's as though they know there's a time and a place for that. Right. This is neither of those things. Right. And this is what happens when films get made by Canadians. They exhibit some restraint and think... <laughs> maybe, maybe but that's it. at the same time, in terms of restraint, addressing that issue, this film has some of the most overdone gore scenes. Yeah. I've seen. There's for a, a long lot time. of like. Oh. So there's a scene that we haven't described that I'll, I'll just tell the audience, our, our listening audience, about. There, and it makes no sense. There is a truck, goes out with two guys in it. They're going out to inspect the facility oh, where yes. this cloud happens. Oh, I forgot about that part. Yes. They have contamination so suits. So they're in the hazmat back. people, right. yeah, or or whatever. Yeah. One of the guys gets out, and what, for some reason, one guy's just wearing a t-shirt, which is really weird. And well, that's why his buddy, who's driving, is uh, constantly like, "You should suit up." He says, "You should suit up like three different times." Right. So, one guy gets out of the truck. The other person is sitting there at the, at the steering wheel or whatever, and the suit begins to inflate. And then it comes to life, picks up an axe, mm-hmm. and hacks the two guys to death. Yep. Now, like the truck scene where we're just treated to shots of carotid artery gushing yeah. repeatedly. We see this axe go into the same entrance wood like four times. I mean, which you were right. Good aim. Yes. Because he just seems to hit the it's same the spot, same over, spot and over, over and over again. Which means that the suit is a lumberjack. Yes. But oh, maybe. it just keeps happening. And then the second guy gets hit, and we're treated to another roundup. And, here and I was literally like, so do, is it just people now? Is that, did it make itself into a people? It's like the suit like got by... inflated and came to life. And I, that, that was, it made no sense with the rest of the film. There's another scene where a guy is electrocuted. Because uh, his cherry picker, I think, is what it is. Um Yeah. It was out of control, and it felt to me like these are the extreme gore scenes that you got in the theatrical release, because you could very easily take the scene of the postman, the scene yeah. of the hazmat workers. You and could the, just cut that you out. You could cut those out, and yeah. all the swearing and gore would mm-hmm. go with it, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it was so overdone. But it was. It was It was a fun watch, though. For right. thir- you know, uh, an hour and 34 minutes. I actually gave a crap about these people, mm, which yes, is a I did. step I liked up. Them much better. Some of the effects were actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Some of the like you can clearly see drivers in the trucks at some right. points because there had to be drivers in the trucks at some points, and we hadn't decided to just dress people in those weird green suits yet. So <laughs> there are definite like that's a thing that that happens, and you can see like the cables and stuff that turn the mirrors, but. 
It's fine. Yeah, at one no, point there's a mirror turning, and it's so creaky that it won't be, be the whole. It's they're being puppeteered effectively. They are. It kind of comes out of the truck for a second and it gets pulled back in by the same kind yeah. of rod that's animating the uh, the, the, the turning. That, yeah, that was not really convincing. Yeah, and there's a couple of scenes like that, but it uh, it's it felt like it didn't quite have the budget of the other film either. That was a feature film, so the explosion of the the diner explosion was done with a large-scale miniature, and it was really convincing. This one, I, I'm not sure half of what's happening. Most of the time, it's edited so quickly so you don't see the pulleys and the wires. But Yeah. Um, I th- but I think overall, Yeah, overall, it's, it's much more successful, though. Yes, and if you, if you want to watch one version, version of, it, right. of this story, this is the one to watch, I think. Yeah, it is. I think, I think it so is. because I actually, as you said, but I do watch it, it with subtitles on because the sound, like the the people are way quiet. Right. Like the dialogue in it is quiet. So especially if you have any, um, uh, like, auditory, sensory issues, mm-hmm. re- read it because, especially um, Hope's character, she's very quiet. She's very quiet and very mellow the whole time. And there are explosions happening, and she's I, just very quiet and very mellow. I and did. I'm just like, hey, 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 where that other one maybe was fueled by cocaine, this one maybe was fueled by downers. Right. Some quaaludes. It, it felt like a sort of a cheaper version of the same thing, It, but I felt that it achieved much more in terms of making you like the characters and be concerned about them and what happened to them and all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That's Trucks. Next week, we're going to watch the TV movie from uh, May of 1997 called Quicksilver Highway. And now this is a half Stephen King, half Clive Barker mm-hmm. story. Oh, yeah. So let me read you the brief synopsis. Mm-hmm. Traveling showman Aaron Quicksilver tells horror tales. A psychotic hitchhiker files prayer to pray to a relentlessly dangerously sharp set of ch- chattering teeth and a human hand that comes alive. So oh, that's an evergreen, though. It's chattery teeth. That's mm-hmm. the Stephen King story. Uh, the body politic is the Clive Barker story. And Christopher Lloyd is. is our storyteller who ties it all together. Uh, so that's what we're going to watch next week. Now, this movie is available currently, fingers crossed, in its entirety on YouTube. So that is what we will be watching it on because I couldn't find it anywhere oh else. So um, also it is rated a full uh, 1.2 stars higher than the one we watched today. Okay, in, well, in the we IMDb, thought you were going to say 1.2 stars and like, no, 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 no. In IMDb, the movie we watched today was rated 3.7 stars. Mm. I think that that's too low. I think that's too low. I Three think out of what? Out of ten. Okay. Yeah, okay, there. All right. If you said three out of four, I'm like, what? No, no, no. 3.7 out of ten. Okay. This is rated 4.9 out of ten. Uh, I think that these are very harsh scores. Uh, it depends. There's uh, one, one thing I don't like a, make about mad. IMDb, mm-hmm. all right, or some of the others, uh, when it's a public poll. Well, yeah, it's just. People, and especially, voting, right. and this is going to sound like an old man complaining. Here's the Bernie Sanders corner of our, our, our podcast. <laughs> is that I understand that there are younger people who are used to completely different kinds of entertainment. Yes. And sometimes when you read these reviews, they're like, 
oh, it had bad CGI. This is a movie from 1965. There's no CGI. There's no CGI. Yeah. You just don't know what else to call it, like special effects or CGI, right? And so you'll read reviews like that and get really disappointed and think, well, people had other standards for entertainment back in the day. And this is one of them. I think it's better than the other version, but it's not not a great film. It no. Okay. I'm not even sure it's a good film, actually. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's serviceable. And like right. I said, if you're doing a watch of Stephen King stuff, I, I this over Maximum Overdrive mm, oh, all yeah. day. Uh, okay. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, yes. I have some recommendations. I have a couple of them, actually. Oh, my gosh. One of which is a... Um, no, actually, I don't have a couple. Let me take that back. I'll talk to you about that later. I have a recommendation. <laughs> Underwater. Underwater. Now, not too long ago, but, but, I mentioned here that I had just seen Miguel Ferreira in a number of programs at the same time. Yes. I had been... Watching, uh, God, what was the first thing we watched? Well, of course we saw him in The Shining, but we also saw him in... We saw him in The Night Flyer first. Night Flyer, and then right afterward we heard his voice in The Shining. Yes. And in between those I saw a film I hadn't seen for a very long time, Deep Star Six. And we saw him in The Stand, too. The villain, too. Uh, And then, uh, but that film was about, we're we're drilling deep underwater Mm. And we've unleashed a monster. Oh, strangely enough, I saw that exact same film same again. It's it's been made a few times. Only with a real upgrade, and I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't want to give too much of it away. Nope. Something happens where you think you're watching a very meditative and quiet film about <laughs> grief, and then you're not. <laughs> and then oh. you're not because <laughs> yeah. that happens for about four minutes of this film, and that's what I should warn you about. And then you are in this sort of yeah. white knuckle thing is, for the rest of the film. It's um, it's one of it's a it's a run movie like mm-hmm. um, Apocalypto. Well, right. Well, that's a, the, the Apocalypto is a variation on the Naked Prey, which is a movie where essentially well, also the, yes, there you there's go. four minutes of exposition or five, and then suddenly you're in it, and it does not stop until the film. Gravity ends. is the Gravity same is way. Gravity is another one, right? Yeah, where everything is. And it's almost you, it's, it's almost, almost real, time. real time. Yeah. So things are urgent. All the things are urgent. Yeah. Uh, it is, and the, it's science fiction. It's a horror film. It's a disaster film. Kristen Stewart is great in she it. She is wonderful. T.J. Miller is fine. Vincent fine. Cassell, Jessica Henwick, who I love seeing now. Yeah, she's great. I mean, there are some. Um, and the, what's the dude from Newsroom? He's got a real white man's name. John, John Gallagher. Yeah, John Gallagher. But they, there's a lot of great performances in this movie. You, it's, It is very stressful, though. It is. Go into that. There's a, I was going to say, and you can cut this out. There's lots of great Cthulhu makes an appearance. Yeah, I'm going to cut that out. It's like that starring is a spoiler. Cthulhu, right? Spoiler. Spoiler. But, no, um, but yeah, the film, I was, I didn't expect much from it. I really like, I know that, it's an odd choice. I really like uh, Kristen Stewart. I think that she did an amazing job playing Joan Jett to where I mm-hmm. lost track of her in that part. Personal Shopper was a movie I was frustrated with the way... I didn't like the movie, but I, I liked her in I it. I liked her in it. Yeah. I was frustrated with the way the character that she played is like yeah. so obtuse at times or difficult, but the film itself was really good. This movie is a great white-knuckle 
suspense slash. Yeah. And if you like something like horror. Cloverfield, yeah, because the Cloverfield is the is yeah. basically Another the same. One. This is Cloverfield yeah. underwater. That's what's basically happened. But happening. the production value and it's what. Going back to Deep Star Six, watching it, there were times where I thought, oh, this doesn't work or this doesn't age well. Mm -hmm. This film, at times, is really convincing. Underwater really looks like underwater. Yeah. It does not look like a fish tank. It looks exactly like you're watching a National Geographic special about what the bottom of the seafloor looks like. Yeah. And the conditions are, to start with, claustrophobic. And then when things start Mm -hmm. going wrong, it becomes really claustrophobic. Yeah. I never want to wear a deep sea suit. No, ever. the the no. suits in it are also very smartly designed. Like yeah. I, I appreciated that, just like as a nerdy yeah. thing. They're respecting you as an audience. Yeah, which is something I like. So yes, I really appreciate this film. It's beautifully put together. So yeah, I enjoyed it. That would be my recommendation. And you, what did you? <laughs> I'm gonna do what you won't do because you're a chicken. <laughs> I'm not a chicken. <laughs> I am gonna but you say. You could talk to me if I was a chicken. Look, so. is Doolittle a great movie? It is not. Is Doolittle super fun, especially if you're high on edibles? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Although you weren't high on edibles and you had a blast. Okay. You laughed a whole bunch. Look, this is. Here's the thing. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. If you put Robert Downey Jr. in a movie, you've bought yourself a lot of goodwill. It takes a lot for me to be like, I can't watch this, even though it has Robert Downey Jr. in it. Uh,. They did not waste all the goodwill. I had plenty of goodwill at the end of it. It was fine. It was, it's silly. Uh, It went in a way that I didn't expect it to go, actually. I was really expecting a certain plot thing to happen that did not happen in any way. Uh, Antonio Banderas gets to act his face off. Robert Downey Jr. gets to just do any accent he wants. A different one with each word. Sure, why wouldn't we? Uh, Emma Thompson plays a parrot. Let's just watch this movie, y'all. It's fun. It's I don't know why it is getting decimated by <laughs> reviewers. It is a fun movie. Is it serious? Absolutely not. Is it for kids? Yeah, probably. So everybody just calm down. Like I said, eat an edible and go watch Dr. Doolittle. It's fun. Yeah, so or just Doolittle. It's not Doctor. It's just I'm. I'm going to share this piece of personal and history. And it looks great. It does look beautiful. <laughs> this piece of personal history, I don't understand why people in the theater watching the trailer the first time I saw it were turning to each other and go, is this like a steampunk Dr. Doolittle? No, it's okay. like a time-appropriate Dr. There are people who remember the Dr. Doolittle made in 1998 with Eddie Murphy. Mm. Where it was a comedy, a modern comedy. Right, and it was I set remember, in 1998, right? Like right. it was. 1967, yeah. which was a few years before I was born, there was Dr. Doolittle, the film with Rex Harrison, which was a big budget film, a musical with science fiction creatures. There was an enormous snail, there was a giant lunar moth. If you want to hear some people that think it's deeply, deeply terrible, Macintosh and Maude haven't seen what released an episode about Doctor Doolittle from right. 1967 today. Right. Uh, so it's it was out uh, out Monday. Uh, check this out; they're very funny. She says he'll never, she'll never forgive David for making her watch this movie. Well, I thought it was there's there's <laughs> so. some amazing there's a, a whale that pushes an island, a floating island, uh, through the Pacific. There's a lot of fun, silly stuff in that. So when the Dr. Doolittle came out in the 1990s, 
I was really disappointed because there was all these fantasy elements like giant moths. And as you know, I like movies that feature giant moths. I do um, know that about you. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I just thought, well, where's all the fun to that? So this movie kind of returns to that and that there's science yeah. fiction or there's fantasy creatures. If you remember, Dr. Doolittle was written by a soldier in the First World War writing letters to his children from the trenches. Nobody remembers that because nobody knows that. And so he was trying to keep them from not thinking about how horrible it was or the fact that okay, daddy's going gotcha. to get shot. So he invented this very whimsical world. And this movie is a lot closer to that. Indeed. Than, you know, a guy in a lab coat talking to CGI-generated mouths on animals. Yeah, which I did not So this was much more in the flavor No, I really appreciated that. And they, I was like, are they going to do this the whole time? And they didn't. They, they flipped out of it pretty quickly. But they made it clear that he was talking to each animal mm-hmm. in that animal's cadence, mm-hmm. not in English. Right. Now, another thing to point out, the movie makes no damn sense. It doesn't. make makes it, not a lick of sense. Don't any, worry about it. Any historical period of don't time worry. That anybody Who's that remember? queen? Don't worry about it. We don't know where Dr. Doodle's from because he might have a Welsh accent or a Scottish accent or just a general UK accent. If you can put all that aside and the constant anachronisms in this movie, which were what I was laughing at because some of them were so dumb that it was entertaining. Like, what? Did he just say that? Yeah, he just said that. So that's probably why I enjoyed it, because it was just nuts. It was a baddie, baddie movie, and I haven't seen one of those and actually been entertained by it for a very long time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. And If you don't like it, don't blame us. However... Uh, honestly, though, just like if you want to have a good time at the movies... Okay, and here's the other thing. It's a genuine children's film. It's also, yes, it's for kids. It is a genuine this children's film. There's no children. sort of like, you know, sexual double entendres uh, given by cats and hats. There are no weird psychological traumas aside from the obvious one. Um, but it in no way is a film that you can't take children to because, oh, some of the jokes. Uh, there's jokes, obviously, for the adults. I don't know why we reference The Godfather in a Victorian story. But... There's a lot of... Um, yeah, but when they do, you laugh for two <laughs> minutes. It was so absurd. It was like, what the hell am I looking at? But again, it was... A, you full-on laugh at I, many parts during I this movie. I don't remember. The, there's a bit with an octopus that took me completely by surprise. It was very good. <laughs> and Stitches get stitches. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's just... Michael for, Sheen is in it. Right. Acting his face off so good. Robert Downey Jr., Michael Sheen, Antonio Banderas, you don't need to know anything else. And right. very, very good CGI animals. Yes, very good. Like, very good. Like, I'm not talking Call of the Wild weird animal good. Oh, I'm God. talking excellent All right. CGI animals. If we can just briefly uh, discuss that for just a second. Okay. Why the hell did you do Call of the Wild with a fake dog? Yeah, there's no fucking reason and for that. And the dog is making human feature. If it has, like, human expressions on its face, and it's doing comedy double takes. Harrison Ford is an Academy Award winning actor. Yeah, what he is, is he doing? I well, my favorite. I was listening to the Daily Zeitgeist, right. and Miles was like, "Do you think like day five, day six of shooting, Harrison Ford went up to the director and just went, the dog's gonna look normal, right?" <laughs> and the director was like, "Totally," <laughs> like, and just lied to his fucking face. I've... Why you could. Have had real animals in that yeah, movie. You could. There's no reason. 
<laughs> Even in the ad that I just saw, the uh, deer or the elk that are running, clearly cartoons. I'm just like, what uh, happened? I think that this is sadly the way that movies run now. People just run with the current technology. I want a doggy. And they I think, don't want that doggy, no, though. It's you do. scary. You want a CGI dog. That... I don't, because it looks like it knows what I'm saying right. in a way that it is going to maybe kill me later. I and grew I up with like... Disney films, right? Where actual live animals went through paces and or coached and did amazing things. And I things. know that Milo and Otis was like a an animal graveyard. I'm mm. not saying kill these animals. I'm just saying get a real... Dog. Dog. I think Isn't especially... the story kind of based on a real dog? Well, the... I don't know. I've never Colin read Jack Wilde London. I, I was is... put off by the possible naming of myself, and I just have never well, read it. Well, also, Jack London is one of those authors who, you read this, read this, for God's sakes, don't read this other thing that he wrote. Oh, okay, fine. Um, because he, he certainly had some problems uh, with understanding the equality of all peoples. But... Um, yeah, for the entire book, which is taken from the point of view of the dog, or it's following the, the, the dog story, to have a central character who is CGI and have that character in the middle of live-action settings, that's what's going to look a little bit weird. If it was an animated dog in an animated film, but the thing is, they would be like, that's amazing, but They could have not. even done it if they'd done it to the level of the last set of Planet of the Apes movies. Right. Because those apes were all CGI, but you... And couldn't know you wouldn't know that, was, but this dog is so clearly a cartoon right. on top of whatever is happening. It's there. A I shame. saw the first Planet of the Apes movie with you. We've seen all three in theaters, yes. right? Um, I the only reason I saw it was listening to an NPR review. And they interviewed a primatologist who thought it was the best movie she'd ever seen. It's like it's wonderful. These are so convincing. They paid so much attention. Yes. You look at the gestures of the animals, the mm -hmm. way they bow their heads, the way they turn out their lips when they're, they're you know. Mm -hmm. It was so authentic that she loved it. She loved it. It's like I felt like I enjoyed the physicality of the chimpanzees. And the interviewer was like, what? You know, we were expecting fully to hate this movie. And nope. her thing was no. No, they did incredible Somebody work. Somebody sat there for a long time. that 10 years ago that was possible. And right. yet here we are in 2020 oh, yeah. with this Call of the Wild which I'm not, I don't even want to say what I want to say. Right. I uh, just, but like, this could be Harrison Ford's last movie, and that would be a good crime. Well, yeah. Because it would be, it would be the, the Wookiee is a better dog. Right. Like, what is happening? It would be the equivalent <laughs> of the unfortunate incident of Sean Connery going out with no, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> because he's like, but yeah. You're better than this man. He's just going, I got a paycheck. I don't know what the hell that movie was about. No. And this is it. Peace out. I don't know. What I'm, I don't know right. what movies are anymore. And I, right. I can't be. Yeah. Yes. No. It's very interesting listening to how he turned down Lord of the Rings because he's like, what the hell? Elves? Yeah. He just doesn't. Yeah. He couldn't. I, I can't get What was on, on the page and what was being created. Right. They he couldn't reconcile the two anymore, which yeah. makes sense because movie making has changed so drastically. Right. And then with his health declining, yeah, and that I think it worked better for like Christopher Lee when he was in Lord of the Rings because he's acted with special effects his entire yeah, life, yeah, his whole life, yeah. But Sean Connery's thing was I don't even what no. you, what is this? I, <laughs> like, my special I, effect is a fucking right. tuxedo and a 
martini. I don't need any of this other nonsense. But uh, yeah. So, but Doolittle's fun. Doolittle, go watch yes. it. <laughs> I don't know. That was a tangent. But that was a tangent. <laughs> it's fine. All right. In the meantime, we had some little movie to talk about. Next week, Quicksilver Highway. Right. If you want, watch it with us. We, uh, like I said, it's on YouTube. Don't tell everyone yet. I'm hoping it's still on YouTube when we go to watch it. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) We are available. Questions, comments, concerns. Concerns. Can be directed to us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at latecomerspod. We're on Facebook at latecomerspodcast. You can Google us or, you know, find us in the search bar. I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you. Better Better late late than than never. never.